Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Small doses. Self-help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy. So funky. <laughs> Welcome to an episode of Small Doses. This week's episode, you know, last week I took y'all on a journey through the Lituation 101 tour, but now we're going on a journey through my heart and my life with side effects of epic friendships. People have requested this episode, asked for this episode, because it seems like a lot of friendships is ending these days. I mean, let's be real. Social media has become a new Extension-level extension event that will end a friendship, especially when you see somebody, like, they can't big you up on social media. Like, they, they like, big you up in private, but they, like, won't big you up in public. And you're like, right. what's, what, 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 what's that? What's that? What's that? You know, like, you'll put a post up, and they'll, like, text you on the side and be like, yo, that's dope. And you're like, okay, but you could do that in public. And then sometimes it'll be like, okay, so you only hit me on social media, but you, like, never hit me in, like, real life? What's, what's that, that about? about? It just created a complicated, you know, scenario between a lot of folks. But I just want to talk about it because I think that the reality is, is that, and I say this all the time, rest in peace to Hugh Masekela, the great jazz musician from South Africa. But he has a song called People Are a Sometime Thing. And that is a hard thing for a lot of us to like really, truly grasp and deal with without it dealing with us. So we're going to get into it. You remember how this thing go. It's time to drop a jam on them. Rest in peace to Prodigy. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. <sighs> Little known fact, when I say jam dropping, I'm making an allusion to the late great Prodigy of Mob Deep, who they had a song on their third album, Hell on Earth, called Drop a Jam on Them. And Prodigy being one of the greatest rappers of all time. I dare you to come for me about it. I, I dare, dare you. you. Okay. Uh, he had a great, a great verse on that song. And so that's how that happened. Y'all know that I will rap that verse right now. But I won't because we have a very long episode ahead of us. And our producer just looked at me like, please don't. So I won't. <laughs> but just know that I could. So today's Jim Dropping is all about ending, ending a friendship. friendship. Versus growing apart. This is important. This distinction. Because one of them is about action and the other one is just reaction. Which sometimes people like dub reaction as like a bad thing. In this case, I don't think it is. I feel like at the end of the day, sometimes wavelengths simply no longer run concurrent with each other. And that's a natural thing that happens. You know, I I liken it to the fact that like plants grow differently in different sunlight. And when I broke up with my boyfriend, Marquise, <laughs> after spring break 2000, while we were at SUNY Purchase, when he had come to visit me, that was what I told him then. And that's what I say to you all now. Sometimes we just are growing in different lights. And so we are growing at different paces. You know, we are requiring different different nutrients, et cetera, et cetera. And it becomes harder and harder to relate to somebody. You know, I think when we talk about friendship, it's really about like who's relatable, who who do you relate to, who you have equi- equitable exchanges with, emotionally, mentally, physically, 
And as you get older, those things really do, like, affect your whole life. I think when you're younger, it's like your life isn't really, like, carved out. For the most part, people's lives aren't really, like, carved out succinctly and sharply. So you can have a lot more kind of different levels of friends around you and different types of, like, you know, exchanges and realities and ways that it doesn't really disrupt in the same way that as you get older and you start refining and kind of honing and narrowing in on your purpose, it's like the trimming of the fat thing is a real thing. And sometimes the universe will trim that fat for you. And that's what, you know... Growing apart is. It's really just like we all are here on our different journeys and those journeys, reason, season, lifetime. But then there is ending, ending a friendship. friendship. And sometimes that's the universe saying like you, you have, have to, to do, do this. this. Because it can no longer be a part of you and you're not taking the signs or the omens to let it happen on its own. But I think sometimes it's also just like you have to end it with action because it's like a lesson that both you maybe need to learn and the other person needs to learn. Sometimes it's a lesson about like your own strength for them. Sometimes it's a lesson about like, damn, maybe I am on some bullshit. And it's all about really just at the end of the day, facing what's in front of you in a real way. And we have a lot of tenuousness to do that, especially when it comes to friends, because a lot of our friends are attached to us in different ways. I know like it's hard to end an old friendship. Because especially if that old friendship is attached to like nostalgia or a time in your life that you really enjoyed or maybe they really looked out for you. And so you just constantly feel like you owe them forever. But the reality is that that's not really friendship. That's a debt. And I don't know about you, but me and Sally Mae ain't squad. So you got to really kind of get to the meat and bones of like, why is this person around? And sometimes we don't even we don't want to get to those meat and bones. We don't want to do it. We're like, I'm going to be vegetarian. I don't want no beef. And it's like nothing before it's time, right? But shit will always come to you. Shoot. That's the thing. You could avoid it as long as you want, but that shit will come up somehow. It might come up at a wedding. It might come up because of a death. It might come up because of a birth. It might come up because of a boonopolis that's coming to play. Yeah, I said it, a boonopolis. That is a relationship that is of the romantic type. A boonopolis, anopolis of boo. I call it a boonopolis because just like a metropolis is a city center where the heart of an industry is, a boonopolis. <laughs> Y'all got to see how Rebecca be looking at me like, why is she giving me eye contact while she says this shit? I can't. Then she'll like try to look at her computer, but it's like, no, Rebecca, I'm looking straight at you. You can't just look at the computer. Okay. You can't avert your eyes. The boonopolis becomes the center of somebody else's industry <laughs> so then i missed you guys missed you brandon and Beth. so you know these are all and then you know there's fame money loss of money these are all like i feel like really like big things that can knock a friendship on its heels and it really lets you know like where y'all really stand so we're gonna get into it um, later on in the episode with our guest Tony Trucks but in this gem drop in I think we have to acknowledge the fact that when something runs its course that's okay and when it's time to end a really end a friendship that's okay too it just becomes about the 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 why and the how shit don't always have to end in fire and flames right and things don't always have to end out of avoidance and you got to be careful of that too don't be trying to call growing apart something that it's not 
if it's really avoidance, then that's not really growing apart. If you're avoiding dealing with the situation, that's avoidance. Growing apart is you doing you and I'm doing me and we're just not meeting eye to eye on things and it's an agree to disagree type of situation. And, you know, it's like we just decide to go our own way on the king's road and see who ends up taking the iron throne. (laughs) I was going to end it there, but I just wanted to give you a little second to deal with that because... I miss, I miss GOT a lot. I do, I do, I do. But when you end a friendship, it can be very traumatic. Um, I don't want to by any means like send a message like, oh, it's nothing. You know, my therapist was like, you, Amanda, like you got to (laughs) cry. Like this should be hurting. And I'm like, yeah, I like, no, I know. And then I like proceeded to cry. And then I remembered that like, Therapy is my safe space to cry because I don't have time to do that shit other places. And it was like, oh, that's why I do this. Duh, got it. And that is why I like really recommend therapy for folks because at the end of the day, it's like you just kind of need to know that there's like this safe space that you can go to to emotionally deal with the shit that you really don't have time to deal with with your emotions throughout your life. And when you are on your path, you're going to have people that leave But then there's going to be people that you have to tell to take the exit. Either way, you have to mourn them. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this gem droppery is that whether you grow apart or whether you break up, that friendship was a real place. And we've talked about this in Side Effects of a Breakup. That same thing where you like built a world with somebody that you were in a relationship with that was romantic. You do that same shit with your friends. You have a world. Especially if you have old friendships, you have like literally 20-year-old inside jokes that are just now kind of like, in a sarcophagus of your friendship and it's yeah Yeah, sarcophagus sarcophagus. yeah you want to pause and look that up Ah, i'm back up in this sat bitch but you have to acknowledge that and you have to mourn that i'm not saying indefinitely but you can't just be like let me brush my shoulders off and keep it moving I never think that that's really the real way that you deal with those things. You know, it's a loss. Friendship serves various purpose for various for various purposes for various people. But when it's real, you know, it is a real thing. And sometimes it gets real whack. And sometimes it gets real different. And then it no longer has a purpose to serve in the space that you're in. And that's fair. But don't feel like you got to just be the strong person and be like, man, fuck that. Nah, that person may have become a whack person, but at one point you truly love that person and what they brought to your space. You owe it to yourself to acknowledge that space and the beauty and dopeness and jokes and good times and memories that you built in that space and you keep it moving and you make sure that you have an album of those memories in your iPhoto. We're serving it. (sighs) The tea. Is to be spilled. Side note, what was really dope being on the Lituation One One tour was how many people listened to Small Doses. And when I was in Montreal for uh, the Just for Laughs festival, I got recognized like five times by people on the street for Small Doses. The reason why this is interesting is because Small Doses is a podcast. So to be recognized visually for something that I do auditorily was intriguing. And one time a woman was like talking to me about it. And as she was talking to me about it, someone else came up and was like, oh my God, I love your podcast. And this girl was like, I love her podcast too. That's literally what I'm sitting here talking to her about. She's like, I just listened to this morning. She's like, I just listened to this morning too. And I just stood there like, this is pretty dope. 
We be doing it. We be doing it. So it's time we get into DMTs, y'all. First question. Have you ever ended a friendship unintentionally? For example, you stopped reaching out or linking up, and next time you see each other, instead of picking up where you left off, there's nothing. I think this is a really exceptional question, and this comes from somebody who went to Dr. Phillips High School, by the way. DP. Ah, DP. True 4276, you know how we do it. So, anywho, as I was saying, I think this is a really interesting question because... I've definitely been in that situation where it was like a grow apart situation, but where it also was like a we didn't know we grew apart situation. You know, like there's been times where like it kind of dissolves and fizzles and you realize that you like don't miss each other. And so you kind of just don't bother. But then there's times where it's like life just got away with you and the other person and or maybe it's one sided where like you were trying to check in and they weren't being responsive. And I know that definitely happened to me where like I was like checking in and the person wasn't being responsive. And then eventually you're just like, I can't not take this personal at this point. <laughs> like, And so you just kind of trickle off and then you see each other again. And you're like, I don't want to catch you up on the last fucking two years. But then I'm also not even really interested in you catching me up on your last two years. So like, what are we really doing here? And me and like one of my oldest friends, like we went through that where it was like we just kind of revisited each other and was like it just like wasn't there. And and we've had to make like a conscious effort to rebuild in this like new space in our lives that we're both in. You know, I'll tell you, like I'm in a legit new space in my life. Like I was not famous I did not have money I did not have visibility in the way that I do and it's changed like my consciousness about certain things and about the way I move in certain spaces and like some people who have known you in a certain way for a certain amount of time like they're not able to adjust to like the new space that you're in and the new way that you gotta move you know like one of my oldest friends Janice the reason why we've actually like I feel been able to be so close for so long is because she has like molded and you know gone through different phases and I've gone through different phases and we've just kind of managed to uh, naturally yin and yang that shit over that time but that doesn't always happen and I think the hardest part is not letting the unintentional part like be taken personal like what I said like you're like oh, I can't I, 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 how can this person not hit me back like you know but then I've, I've had someone who I didn't even realize was like legit growing apart from me and I was on the other side of it where I was like oh I didn't even I didn't know that we had grown apart <laughs> and I, I thought we were just busy you know I thought we were just busy and like that's the thing like some friends you cannot talk for a year and then you see each other and it's like what's, what's up? up I mean I have friends like that where it's like we can talk maybe once a quarter you know and then we see each other and it's beautiful great perfect but I definitely have friends where it's like Oh, like I thought it was going to be like that. And then we just gotten too far out of orbit of each other. And that's life. You know, I think that's really the reality of things. It's like you're orbiting the same star and then you realize that like that star has died. (laughs) That was morbid for no reason. No reason. But the answer is yes, I have definitely been in those situations. And I think this whole episode is really about the fact that, like, it happens, it's going to happen, 
And when it does happen, how do you manage it and how do you manage after it? Got another question with literally someone saying, how do you heal or mourn a relationship when a friend breaks up with you? I mean, you know, I have absolutely been in this situation. We talked about this on an earlier episode, Side Effects of Toxic Relationships. I had a situation uh, earlier this year where I had a friend who I would have regarded as a sister just like drop me like a bad habit. And it was like, ooh, ouch. The hardest thing to do is it's it's one of two things. In some cases, the hardest thing to do is not beat yourself up, right? Because it can be very, very easy to just be like, I can't believe I, this is my fault. I did this. I did that. You know, I should have done this better. I should have done this differently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing to do that can be very difficult is not take accountability. It can be very easy to just be like, well, they did this and they did that and they did this. So that's why the situation is like this and da 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 At the end of the day, it takes two to tango, right? And unless it's like some egregious, ridiculous reason, like maybe that person, you know, just had like a complete change in ideals or perhaps they're on a narcotic, et cetera, et cetera. Like for the most part, both of y'all contribute to a scenario and, 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 and it is what it is. But when it boils down to it, it's like, can you discuss it? And can you discuss it and get past it? And if you can't do that, then it, it, that's how shit ends. And it sucks when that happens because it's also like, damn, like we really couldn't get past that. How do you mourn it? I think you, it's the way you mourn anything. You know, you, you, en- you remember the good times. You acknowledge the lessons. You look at what you could have done differently. And you just try your best to apply that next time around. You know, like I'm a very particular person. And I have certain ways about me that rub people the wrong way. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like the most like easygoing person and I've got a lot going on and, you know, my brain is doing all types of shit and it can make it hard to retain people because also it's like if you're also a truth teller and you're very direct, people don't like that either. So it's like, it can be very like taxing to have like that uh, a constant level of transience. And it's been like work for me to like make sure that my friends know that they're appreciated and make sure that my friends know that I'm there for them and all of these things so that if things do go left, it's like, I don't, I don't feel like I have to like beat myself up for the bottom line of friendship, which is really just reliability, communication and consistency. You know, and I feel like that's the bottom line for any relationship. So, you know, if you're going through that right now where like you got dissed or whatever, what can you really do? We've done side effects of a curve. We've done side effects of toxic relationships. We've done side effects of a breakup. In this life, all you can really do is like exalt in the good times, acknowledge the fuck shit and keep on moving. Don't stop. Keep on moving. Don't stop. No. Okay, last question. When should friendships be reevaluated for reconciliation? Do you think you should give some friends a second chance? If so, why? To me, this is one that's pretty easy. Like, I think that friendships should be considered for reconciliation a couple reasons. One, when there's been, like, enough time where you guys could have grown, you know? And 
the, the reality is maturity is a real thing, you know, and it's like people do evolve. And there are things that like I at 26 would have accepted or would have done that now at 37, I'm like, get the, the fuck, fuck out of here. here. Or that I'm like, yes, absolutely. You know, um, but I think there's also like something really the real bottom line is the fact of the matter in terms of character. And when you realize that someone has like a flawed character or when you realize that someone doesn't really fuck with your character, it's really hard to mend that. Because it becomes like you trying to like defend yourself to them and that's never like comfortable or it becomes them, you know, you judging them and that's not comfortable either. And it's like friendship is this thing that's like existing where like souls connect with each other and you don't really know how that happens or why or for what reason and you just kind of got to go with it. But I think the reconciliation is simply more about, you know, do you guys still connect? Or no. And sometimes it's worth a shot. And sometimes it's like, are you really trying to connect or reconnect? Or are you looking for validation in some type of way that you feel like you can get from this situation? Or are you looking for comfort in a type of way? You know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's the ulterior that you got to look at. What's the real reason why you're reconnecting with this person? Or why you're attempting to reconnect with this person? You know, is it your ego? Is it that you load that you deep, 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 deep down want to see if they're going to actually like admit to the reason why y'all stopped being friends in the first place? You got to check yourself on these kinds of things because reconciliation is truly just the reality of acknowledging everyone's faults and truly accepting and understanding and moving forward. And a true reconciliation requires that. And I know that I had a friendship where we had a falling out and we never really reconciled. We, quote unquote, made up or we like move forward, but we never reconciled. You know, when you reconcile your checkbook with your receipts, that means that you're li- you're lining everything up and making sure it all adds up to the same number that it should. And that's what you have to do if you're going to try and reconcile. You got to put that shit all out on the table like them receipts and make sure it all adds up. And I think not enough of us really want to do that because we think we can just kind of keep it moving. And even if you have grown and even if there have been years of difference, if that shit ain't done and it ain't real, it ain't going to work. People I like. Yeah. So here we are on our first People I Like guest of season two, as in dose, as in do, as in itnin, if you speak Arabic, of small doses i can speak a little bit of arabic because my uh stepmother is from kuwait and palestine so i learned how to say the numbers one through ten as well as a number of other words that you would basically say to children that you're babysitting um stop well yeah because they were my sisters and brothers so like i learned how to say shit like sit down give me a kiss what's wrong with you mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh ishmaleh Eshmale. Atenibose is, give me a kiss. Sit down is, ahdi. You know, things of this nature. Mm-hmm. And learning to, na- learning to count one through 10 was actually very helpful living in Harlem because I would go into the corner stores and at first, you know, they kind of like look at you sideways. Then you're like, Sef Khalik. And that's like, what's up? 
And then, you know, you start talking and, and I'm like, you know, I can count to one to ten. And like, and they're like, oh my goodness, Habibi. And then you're all good. And then when you're like 25 cents short, they're not like, yeah, you can't have this sandwich that we just made and that no one else is going to eat except for you. Anywho, I digress. Welcome to the show, Tony Trucks. Thank you for having me. So, Tony Trucks, you can find weekly on CBS. Yes. Seal Team. Seal Team Wednesday nights. Seal Team Wednesday nights. And I met Tony Trucks. First of all, we always know people I like. I always tell people why I like them. So, I like Tony Trucks. First of all, Tony Tony Trucks and I met in the waiting room for the final round of auditions for Tiffany on Insecure. True. And um, Tony Trucks was normal. So, (laughs) that was cool. And I forgot what happened, but like somehow some conversation about funny style, like I don't know what happened. Something happened in the waiting room. We started somehow talking about like casting, casting. Yes. And just the inappropriate things that get said to us. Tony Trucks, like myself, is beige in hue. Um, (laughs) And so like people in casting sometimes like don't know how to just simply say like, you're pretty. They feel the need to like include like your skin tone, mm. but in a way the, that the what like, are you is yes. always really helpful. What are you? Uh-huh. And like, but what are you as if like they you can't just be <laughs> like right? It's always like what so, and and sometimes it's said like you're hiding something. Like what are you? Uh huh. There's something going on with you. I just can't pinpoint it. That was my favorite. I remember exactly who said it. Don't. I'm not going to say her name, Please. but just remember that I remember. <laughs> and I, I thought was at like, the time, I was like, should I tell her? And I was like, fuck it. You literally were like, should I say it? You were like, this is who said it. And I was like, what? And it's like, no. but it's like, you need to share notes like that. And so I actually appreciated it. I was like, oh, she's a real one. Because in this town, there's only two kinds of people. There's real ones and other ones. And the other ones... They don't understand that what's for you is for you. And that they, they will like withhold information and do shitty shit and kind of be sideways. And they think that they're like preserving their right to like a role or to like come up or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I think the more, the more, you know, you know, honestly, like it's just, it's so nasty out here that you just have to, I think you'll be better prepared if you just know what you're walking into. You really just need to know what you're walking into. Because, you know, when you get home, that's when you do it all. I'm like, oh, damn, I should have said this. I wish I'd said that. Da, 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 da. And so if I can arm somebody else before they walk in. Look at you. But you also be building houses for folks. <laughs> <laughs> like you know you're just a giver like you're habit- is it habitat for humanity it's a it's a thing called um homes for families it's specifically for the um, veteran community that is like low income so i mean like i'd be like scrolling and then i see tony with like a hard hat like hey look what i did today and i'm like oh i should have been more helpful to the community today no. i you're was giving back every day binging every day. season seven of game of thrones due to my why are you late no, I'm not late. I am in withdrawal. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> so I'm trying to scratch an itch. I got it. That only a White Walker dragon can scratch. <laughs> and I don't really have it, the goods. Listen, do so, But then further conversation with Tony really got me to understanding like even more about you and just like your level of awareness for, you know, things that are very interesting, very uh, of interest to me in terms of, uh, you know, fighting racism and discrimination mm-hmm. and you know uh whack bitches you know just like in general just like really <laughs> being about 
uh, Tony Trucks, no whack bitches. That's what it says actually on my Instagram when it says like what I do. It's just like professional pretender, pretender and no whack bitches. No whack bitches. Right? And that's how you let people know. You know what mine says. I'm not for everyone. <laughs> my therapist literally was like, I, I get it. But like in here... You can you can let the walls down. Wait, so you found a new therapist? I did find. I was a new very therapist. concerned. I was like, "What happened with the therapist? Did she find a new <laughs> oh, one?" Oh, because tell the people you binge. You were. I've been binging. Small I've been binging nonstop. <laughs> I'm just walking around my apartment. I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> this is just not in my everyday routine. I am, and I feel like we've already been together, you know, for the past four days. I'm like, we've just been we've just been hanging out. Yeah. yeah, I got a new therapist. I love her. I pay her cash. <laughs> Okay. I pay mine cash too. I just didn't know. That's the LA thing. Is it? Healthcare in LA is pure trash. I feel like it's a whole black market to find like the great people. But are you using SAG? No, she doesn't take insurance. Oh, hell no. Okay, go ahead. But that is too expensive and you know that. It's not because I... I pay my therapist $25. And you should. And I was paying a therapist $35 and she was whack. Okay. So now I pay a therapist more money than that and mm. she's great. Okay. Right. And I never feel guilty. And you know what the best part of it is? Because there isn't such a stringency, mm-hmm. she is a little more lenient in terms of time. It's like if we're not done with it, like we don't have to end right at this moment in time. I'm going to cut you off. You're gonna have to, we're going to have to stop. <laughs> I know that you're in the middle of a full breakdown. Yeah. But ah, we've got another just, guest. Yeah. It is. <laughs> 50 not 51 <laughs> we're at 50 right now and in la sessions are only 45 minutes oh yeah well my, my for some reason is 50 i don't know why maybe she's just being like she could just be just giving Karen, a grace. Are you being nice what's happening because yeah they are not in new york in new york they're an hour and that 15 they are an hour that extra 15 is probably what got me to the place i am today where i can do a show called small doses <laughs> Right here with Miss Tony Trek. So, Tony, can you just tell us, like, how long have you been out in L.A.? I've been out in L.A. 13 years. And where did you come from before coming to L.A.? So, I grew up in Michigan. Because people don't, what are you? Yeah, you know? what, what are you? Can you? I know you're, something's going on. White dad, white Swedish dad, Norwegian something. And my mom is black from Mississippi. And um, I grew up in Michigan. I moved uh, to New York and I was in New York after graduating college for almost two years and then booked my first TV show, which was Barbershop for Showtime. Oh, nice. And came out for that. Um, that was 13 years ago. Time is very serious. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk about your parents because I've been being attacked uh, mercilessly. I know. I noticed that. It's You're like, <laughs> I don't have a white parent. I'm like, uh-oh, I do. But like, that's the thing. It's like, it's irrelevant because uh-huh. they're like, but you have a foreign parent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so, yeah, like, you can't either. By the way, I can count to 10 in Swedish. You can? What can't you do, honestly? I can't find a good man. Hey, <laughs> Me <Blue> neither. <laughs> but Look at us. There's two of us. But we find good podcasts. We find good cats. We have cats. We both have cats. We're both cat ladies. Mm, yes. Does Lando have a middle and last name? Lando Catrician. Lando Catrician. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I've got Lady Chubby Muffin Chops. Lady. <laughs> Okay. Why did Lando walk in on cue though? Like I, I, I was summoned. Um, so you're so, getting slammed for having a foreign parent, which I think is. Uh, this is see. I should be on it. I need to come back because w- this is a whole other conversation about people deciding who can be a part of the conversation that gets me so riled up. Well, it's also like their criteria. 
Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what really riles me up. I do think that there is something to be said for like who gets to be a part of the conversation, but it's like the criteria is so. When the criteria becomes like just insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to me, who should be a part of the conversation are like individuals who are legitimately dedicated to the combo, mm-hmm. who have done the research, mm-hmm. who have, um, you know, a certain level of experience and who are speaking from an educated, truthful place. Right. Period. So when I'm told like, and this is the thing, it's not, it's not just being a part of the conversation. They're saying that I should not be able to benefit financially from black American culture and I'm like but I create black American culture I'm like literally like you're like in a show Mm -hmm. and so you are a black woman in a show Mm -hmm. and so now you Tony Trex are a part of black American culture but they're basically saying like if that show so barbershop Mm -hmm. by their definition you could not be in barbershop because you would be benefiting financially from black American culture because barbershops so send the check back Okay, I'll send it back for Barbershop. I'll send it back for all of us. I'll send it back for Dream Girls. What else do you want me to send it back for? You know? Man, um, I hope you're not saying I'll send it back for the Soul Man. I'll send it back for... I mean, like, I can't. And so, like, that's like... The the concept of this is so flawed. And like like you said, like, when you were like, oh, I have a white parent. It's like, at the end of the day, it's also like your entry point into the conversation. Like, some people don't want to be about... Meghan Markle decidedly was like... I don't want to be a part of the conversation. Uh-huh. Like I consider myself biracial. Mind you, that has nothing to do with ethnicity, Like, right? which by the way is a whole other conversation, but we it's can. like, I consider myself biracial. I'm about to go over here with these Royals and I'm Brown. Bye. My mother is full. Like I'm Brown. My mother is black mm-hmm. and you're going to see at my wedding. And then I'm going to just be in pastels for the rest of my life. See, but this is a new, this is a new thing, right? When I was growing up in my formative years, that was not this whole. No, I mean, whatever. Live your life. Define yourself however you feel comfortable. Okay, but like when I was growing up, I was raised by two parents that you know were um, you know m- listen products of the Great Migration North right. and 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 you know got married in 1970, just short, you know, just yes. sliding into it being legal. Yeah, and and still within all of that was told unequivocally by both parents you are a black woman not you are somewhere in between please don't check other please don't right. you know do that thing so this it's a new notion for me to have it was only when i entered the wild entertainment industry that people started um making me feel like i wasn't like you I, needed to quantify yes. it in a different way yes i i had never experienced that before i'd never thought of myself as anything other than a black woman but and, and that is by both of my parents omissions you know saying it you know like this is how yeah I, I it's just even like on the subject of today you know ending friendships and i remember a friendship ending because she was like you're not if you're you you, you can't get a valid black studies masters from a private white institution and i was like but if my professors are all valid black studies academics why not and just a side note as in relation to like fucking up like losing ending friendships or whatever sometimes it's like even if the situation cannot be mended you can still be an accountable human being Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think sometimes like people don't acknowledge that like you can at least be like that was a poor choice and i understand if you don't want to keep me in your life as someone who makes poor choices Mm -hmm. um but But i I fucked up up. Mm -hmm. my fault yeah (laughs) 
I can take it. Well, it's my dad always says, he's like, there's reasons and excuses, right? There's like reasons people say like, I'm hitting you now because my mom hit me. Okay. That's why I'm doing it. But okay. That's, that could be the reason, but that does not excuse the behavior. Correct. You have to just own up to. This is why this happened. This is why it happened. This it is doesn't mean thing. it's okay it happened. No, no. It doesn't uh-uh. mean. I feel like but I, I feel had like a quote that I used to say. Themselves. Yes. Excuses is when you're trying to excuse yourself. Right. Ooh, look at that. Mm-hmm. An I excuse. is you're trying to excuse yourself. Excuse me. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Um, <laughs> so... You know, I think it was great to have you on this episode as we get into our next segment. But before we get into our next segment, I think it was great to have you on this episode because this is a town where it's hard to make friends, I think. And it's even easier to end friendships because money changes people, relationships change people, fame. Like, even if, like, someone gets money, fame is a whole other thing because you can have fame without money. Mm Mm-hmm. And still people act up. And so it's nice when you meet people that you're like, oh, this is like a budding, growing friendship. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's what we've got going on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hit it. Next segment. That one time. <laughs> so we do a segment on the show called That One Time. Yes. Well, we recount a tale relative to the theme. Now, you came in here with flames at your back. Like, I've got a story to tell. Well, I had so many stories to tell. (laughs) What's the problem? So here's my question. Do you have a story from your, like, recent adult life that you feel like maybe you would have handled things differently from your youth or vice versa? Like, have you seen any growth, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think that that I, you know, in in getting this topic, it made me think about so many different situations. And I started to think about what was like the biggest, most defining ending of a friendship that was for me. And I think that even in examining that now, being away from it, I've the hindsight is so special of it. So I don't even I think that was such a gift that you, you know, recommended this topic because I hadn't thought about it in so long. I had sort of shelved it away so mm-hmm. deep in my heart, you know. Ooh. And um, so for me, I thought about a friendship that I had in um, college. And it was this guy that was in, a, in my program with me, but we we met each other and it was just lightning. Like we loved each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was a gay guy. It wasn't like anything, no hanky panky, no right, nothing right, like right. that. We just were like brother and sister. We got each other. And I, we, I know everybody has that one person that. Oh my God, my husband on Insecure. Okay. Wayne Elaine Marcus. That love. is my human being. He's yes. fully married. That's my See? human being. But you just, it's so special to meet somebody that. Like, you know, you, you call them, they anticipate you. They 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 see you in the silence, you know? They can Ooh, see you in the dark. They see you in the silence. Whatever, you know what I mean? That they, sounds like a, like a song that needs to be written. See me in the silence. I'm going to put that in a musical, <laughs> and then I will make sure to let you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, please do. I'll take some credit. Just mm-hmm. in the liner notes would be fine. Um, but... <laughs> That was the sort of relationship we had, and I, I'm sorry, that was the sort of relationship that we had, and I loved, loved, loved this guy. And 
We did summer stock together. We spent all the time. Oh God, summer stock. Let summer, them know what summer stock is so they can understand uh, the immensity of doing that. Summer together. stock is how you sort of start your professional theater career. So every summer, I would hoof it off to Wichita, Kansas, and we would do uh, five shows, a different show every ten days. And Ugh. so it was like we were doing Broadway choreography, and it was just intense. You were it was like being a prof- you're a professional actor, so and dancer and singer. So you were just rehearsing, you know, eight to five every day, and then you're performing. At night, and then you were learning a new show in the day when you're performing a different show at night. So it was really it's intense. It's boot camp. It's boot camp for the working actor. Like it made you over prepared for New York, is what it did. Yes. And um, did you do summer stock? Did you? No, do but I that? know so many summer stockians. Oh yes, absolutely. You they're, know they're around. Yes. Um, but it was so bonding. I though. did actually uh, summer of hard knocks, and that is when you uh, live in Brooklyn in the basement in the summer, and. <laughs> No AC. And, Go on. And uh, you have to sprint from the door to your bedroom and hope that you don't see roaches. <laughs> and then you lie on your bed at night and look up and hope that the centipedes that are crawling on the ceiling don't lay. Right. You see, what you're doing right now, Rebecca, is what I would do in my bed, which is hold my head together from exploding and just pray that one day I would make it out. And then in the middle of the night, you have to pee and you sit in terror no. because you're like, it's too dark. No. I don't know what I could stumble upon no. in the process. And then one day you walk in and there are slugs climbing up the wall. And your boyfriend at the time says, let's put salt on them. And you don't know any better. And so now you're killing slugs. <gasps> like this is this is the you're sum- murdering. Yeah. This is the summer of hard knocks. Summer of hard knocks. So- I had an apartment in New York where the it was all, you know, like you have that brick wall in New York. That, yes. And the mice can crawl the brick wall, which I was horrified by. So and I had a lofted bed. But still, I'm like, the mice are crawling. The <laughs> they crawl. Walls. They crawl. They up the walls. Mice They're defying rats. gravity. They were mice. They were. Okay, because mice I can actually handle. We found a mouse in my basement uh, horror movie. Uh-huh. And I, like, like kept it. I wish that I had known you because I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I think the thing with mice and the thing with snakes and rodents, they, it's a tempo problem. Like, mice, if they just walked into the room and they're like, hey, I'm a mouse. <laughs> I'm gonna live here. Yeah, not a big deal. <laughs> they sauntered in. Yeah, it would be fine. But right. they like run it. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's too much. Okay, it's a tempo problem. And the same thing with the snake. If a snake was like, I'm a snake, no big deal. But snakes are like, I'm a snake. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Excuse me, ghost, oh sir. Oh my god, the accuracy of that is beyond comprehension. It's so. <laughs> Because it's so true. If a snake like hopped in, <laughs> like, I feel like you wouldn't feel so You could apply it to people upon. too. If I ran in here and I was like, I'm here for the show. And you'd be like, wow. wow. Okay. You're doing a lot. But I was like, hi, I'm here in Tony's. <laughs> okay, but if I creeped in, I was like, hey, here for small doses. <laughs> what is that? I'd be like texting Rebecca like, I don't really know what's going on right now. I think we should just wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like it's been good. Tony's not going to be on the show anymore. Right? We're not doing it again. We're not doing it's a tempo it again. problem. You that know. is so comedy. <laughs> Do people know you're this funny? I don't know. You're fucking hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, girl. <laughs> it's a tempo problem. <laughs> I kept it in a box. I kept it in a shoebox and like you fed feed it. it. Cheese, don't. No, I went and got pellets. I'm when I got pellets. Look at Rebecca. I don't appreciate your judgment. And now Rebecca has this like cute little short pixie cut. So the judgment is not hidden by any like extra hair. It's a straight to because it's all face. <laughs> so straight shooter. But no, I, I I took it and like released it in the park. 
That I wish that someone had advised me to do that. Instead, my super came up and put sticky traps on. No, no. Okay, that don't. Is... I don't. I can't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to relive it. I can see all the judgment in this room. No, I hear you. I, I feel know. horrible about it till this day. I ended a friendship because, okay. um, I mean, to him, he thinks I ended the friendship because he had turned into like a grown ass fuckboy and was like dating women even though he had no job and no money and then they would be like looking for a real relationship and then he would be like oh sorry my life is fucked up but they're already like you know kind of attached Mm -mm. and so that to me I was like you know that that's like really really selfish and like playing with people's minds he's like well why can't I be selfish everybody else is being responsible everybody else how old are you literally 39 He's like, everybody else is being selfish. Why can't, why do I always have to be the responsible one? And I was like, I gotta go. But what he doesn't know, and maybe he's listening, is that another factor for ending the friendship was that one time he told me that he tortured a mouse that he had caught on a sticky trap. What is his And I was name? never able Put to him get on past blast it. Right now. <laughs> I was, ne- I've never been able to get past it because I just feel like if you have the ability to do that, 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 that speaks to some other place of darkness. Cause he was like, the mouse had been taunting me and like, you should see the horror in this room right now. Like the mouse had been taunting me. And by the time I caught it, I was just like, I'm gonna show you. And I was like, I understand that your life isn't like where you want it to be right now. And so basically like you're taking out like your inability to control your life on this mouse, but like, nah, there's a special place in hell for him. That mouse is going to get some sort of mouse Come retribution. You don't even know. I don't even pay that. <laughs> Something's going to happen. He's going to come back as a mouse, probably. Oh, no. He could do. He could. <laughs> he could do. <laughs> he could come back as a mouse. You know, get stuck on that sticky trap. It was like when he told it to me, like, he didn't. I don't think he, like, fully realized, like, you sound wild. And it's like, I never let that go. I wanted to. He's been a good friend in other ways. But, like, when that other shit happened, I realized, like, you the same nigga that put a mouse through torture on a sticky trap. And I can't. Let's see. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. Let it... No. Bye. See you later. Yeah. It's been great. You can't. No. All right. So you were in college. Okay. I'm so sorry. Yes. So you went to Summerstock. You guys did Summerstock together. We were in Summerstock when I, all the big things, like when I, when I booked Barbershop, like that was a Cinderella story. I mean, I was like hoofing it in the chorus and. How'd you even get that audition? My agent ran, just called. How'd you get an agent? A showcase. You went to school where? University of Michigan. Really? University of Michigan. um, And, uh, well, I was studying to do musical theater because I wanted to just do Broadway stuff. Got it. And so moved to New York and they had a showcase set up. And so as part of that, when you do a showcase, you know, they invite all the casting directors and agents and la-di-da. And they come and from there I was able to get my agent. That's like the real like straight. That's the way it goes. Yes. I was people are always like, oh, what? You know, how did like, that? That's like, the I was that's like the doing traditional... the things. Yeah. I did the things the in the order path. that they happened. I really did. Um, and that agent, um, said, you know, like, do you want to audition for this TV show? And I had never auditioned for a TV show. And I was like, sure. And at the time I was in Baltimore doing two gentlemen of Verona, the, the musical version Oh wow! written by the guy that did hair and, uh, just in the chorus. And, um, I had this thing where I was like, I just want to do one new thing a year. And so when he said, do you want to audition for a TV show? I was like, yep, that's my thing. I did the one thing for the year. I did it. Wow. And so, um, it was a casting director named Pat McCorkle. Um, 
went in. I hadn't seen the movies um, just because they were, you know, fresh out. And I just was. You were dancing. I was living my musical theater you life. You were over there dancing. And so I just was like, I'll just give it a shot. Yeah. And um, then just kept getting a little further, like met John Ridley, who was like just a little bit uh, further, further. And then they called and they said, come out for a screen test. I was like, that's another new thing for the year. Yeah. I've done it. <laughs> you know? um, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, long story short, I got the job. But when those big things happened, I always thought of Justin. I always wanted him there. So, you know, he came out for the premiere wow. um, and really, um, we just I just wanted him there. I, I I loved him in a way that I never had loved a friend before. Yeah. I was like, I, I love, love you, friend. friend. And you know, I cannot jump into his head and I would never presume to, but what I would say is that um his dad died. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, there was like a cement wall between us. And and we never recovered from it. And I tried everything that I could think of. I thought, okay, you are telling me you need space. I'll give you space. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe I just need to send like a message to say like, hey, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. You know, whatever. I was trying maybe all the that things. Space has shifted. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, you try all the things, and um, and we never came back from it. And I think that that was. Looking back, thinking about ending friendships, that was the hardest one because it's so easy. The, the easy narrative to say, like, this, this bitch, bitch did, did this and I said bye. bye. Yeah. Done. But the that other thing is that there are forces, nebulous. there are forces in the world that you don't have control over. And, and I have to believe that he was navigating through something that he had to let me go. And... I mourn it to this day, and it is so sad. I could cry now just thinking of him because I love him. Y'all ain't dead yet. You know when I said yet? That's right. It ain't never tell you about dead. That's right. But you know, I had. But you have to be able to, as an adult, talk about ending relationships. You need to be able to know when to bow out too. When to say this person is releasing me. I see you. You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. That right there. Knowing when to bounce. You know, we talked about it earlier in the episode. Like. I mean, like you said, like there are situations I've I've said this like there are like large like I call them extinction level events mm-hmm. that happen in life sometimes that level they just level everything, you know, and it's like, well, I guess we ain't here no more. And it's like death is one of those. Yeah. Uh death can be one of those. Weddings can be one of those. I've I have ended a friendship after a wedding. Have you? Yes. People show their true colors at weddings. You know, and I you know you know, you know, <laughs> Because <laughs> it is very fresh, and I tell you, I want to hear about this this recent ending. So basically, like first and foremost, it should be known, and I've said it on the show several times. I don't even like weddings. Okay, I don't really like going to weddings. I'm not really into it. They really just feel very imposter syndrome for me. Um, I feel like, what am I doing here? I feel like I'm literally being voyeuristic. Like, that's what it feels like. I don't know how much of it is, like, related to the fact that it's very performative. And because I'm a performer, it's like, what are we really doing watching? Here? Right. Like, what are we doing? Um, I don't know how much of it is that and how much of it is just, like... I, I feel like the the relationship between these two people can just be between those two people. Like, we all don't need to be here. Well, and if we're going to... Listen, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I went to a wedding, <laughs> okay, where the bride and groom did their vows, and they were not short vows. 
at about this space, about this love. Okay. <laughs> and so, <laughs> why no, are we here? Thank you. Nobody, Y'all could have done this on the beach by yourself. No. And, I, and I appreciate a thing where you say, listen, I want to have a, a, a private moment with you in public. I can say one thing to you. <laughs> one thing in your ear. But you can't do that for half of an hour. Why we're here? Getting married is all about calling your friends together to bear witness to this event. Yes, we bear witness. Okay, fine. But if you don't want me here, I, bye. I don't See have to you. I do not. I will go home. I'm happy to be at home. It was also like it, our this situation was like the exact opposite because like we could hear their vows very clearly. But it was like just masturbatory. It was their I vows. Have loved you I've so never seen much. like I had never seen these people like go to church or like really be about church and all their vows were was God this, God that, and angels and Gabriel and you know, all like I was like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like all this, and I'm like, where did this where is where is this coming? Where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? And we had a wedding felt, planner. It felt very disingenuous, you know. And so, like as a friend, you're like, "What's really going on here?" And like, then like the the majority of the wedding party, the majority of the people at the wedding, I've known this person for twenty plus years. I had never met any of these people, so I was also like, "Who who who this woman? Mm-hmm. Oh, who this woman?" <laughs> And so, like, there was, like, a lot, like, of stuff like that just going on. And, you know, for what it's worth, like, everyone has their own idea of, like, what they want a wedding to be or what their wedding to be. And, like, who am I to say, like, oh, that shit is whack? Because if if you like it, that's great. But for me, it was, like, I, I'm not enjoying this. They released Butterflies. But the butterflies had been encapsulated in like envelopes. What? And it really no. It really, really bothered me. Like it really, really bothered me that like we were That's releasing horrible. We were releasing butterflies that had been literally encased Squashed. in envelopes. They'd been encased in envelopes, and like I, the symbolism was to honor the dead. And that that couldn't be there. So we're gonna almost kill these butterflies until we and release. That's an <laughs> issue for me. No, that was an issue for me. But you know what I did? I kept my fucking mouth shut. Do you did know you? why? Because it's not my goddamn wedding. I hear you. And so I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut. So, but then there was just like other stuff that happened, and like I had gotten to like a little tiff with like homegirl's friend's mom, who I'd never met before, and we had like a little exchange. But I guess for me, I always look at stuff like everyone's tense. I kind of look at things in a macro place. Like in that situation, it was like everyone's tense, like trying to get to this wedding and her mom, like the the friend's mom was involved in the wedding and whatever. So like I, I didn't really hold her like she was funny style to me, but I didn't press it. I just right. was just like, You're like, that's so not about me. It's, you know, and I DJed the wedding. You did. I am. Why the wedding. did you do? Wait a second. Now you have gone too far for free. You've gone too far because you need to I've be known, the guest. Because this is someone I've known forever, and it was honestly better for me to to do activities because I don't like weddings. Okay, all right. So it's like let me be here active, so I don't gotta like mingle. Right. I don't, you know, and I'm just gonna say this. <laughs> <laughs> Even when your friends are your friends, and they help out for your wedding, I just feel like you still should look out. So like I am DJing and I'm seeing your wedding for free because I, I love you, but you should be paying for my plane ticket. Ye- what? Okay. There's so many things wrong with this whole you scenario. You should be paying for my plane ticket. 
my you know my mother, so I flew my mother down. You don't have any responsibility for my mother, but you should be paying for my hotel room. Yeah. And there was never an offer. There was never. And it's like, the, but I am the person who is like, yeah, but sometimes they look after my cat. So, no. you know, and so like, these are the things that friendship can get confusing. This is the what I'm saying. Like, so friendships can also get very confusing. And that's why these extinction level events can like sometimes really just like end shit because it's a culmination of like a lot of things in one place. And so basically what ended up happening was while I was DJing, like people were coming up to me and like grabbing my arm and like tapping my shoulder real hard. And like, I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be touched in general, mm -hmm. just by general people. Mm -hmm. Like people, I, I always say this on the podcast and people always say this when they see me on the street and they're like, I know you don't like hugs. So here, can I just get a handshake? <laughs> can I get a picture? Cause I just, I'm not, I don't just hug everybody, mm -hmm. you know? And, and when I'm in the street, it's like my favorite in the street. Jerry Seinfeld talks about on an episode of <laughs> on an episode of Writing in Cars. Yeah, he was like, "I love in New York because people recognize you, like, and they don't pay you really. They just pay you enough attention, so they just walk by and they go Jerry, and they keep it walking." <laughs> And it's like the best. And we do these we do these um, shows called Smart, Funny, and Black episode. And it's like basically these a docu-series about our Smart, Funny, and Black Lituation tour. And our first night in Brooklyn, it happened. We're walking down the street and this dude is like, Amanda, have a good show. He never slows his role. I never slow my role. We acknowledge each other. It's amazing. It's great. I say all that to say that when I was at this wedding and I'm DJing, like, I'm being touched and poked and prodded and people are like, I'm literally playing Shaka Demon Suppliers Murder, She Wrote and someone comes up to me and says, can you play some reggae? <laughs> I'm like, I'm playing reggae. You're, it's happening. It's literally happening. And she was like, this ain't real reggae. I'm like, this is actual reggae. I, you must not know what real reggae is. I say, maybe you don't know what real reggae is, but this is real reggae. <laughs> Let me get back to what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm on a, I'm also on like a DJ rig that's not my rig. So like and it's also like got its own like way of working. So I say all this to say that I'm a very particular person, especially when I'm working. And it's like my goal is to just do the best work. Mm -hmm. Right. So like at your wedding where I'm emceeing and DJing, my goal is to be the best MC and be the best DJ. And sometimes that might conflict with being like the best party guest. Mm hmm. So, well, you can't do all things at once. So, like, when I'm DJing, I'm not the best at, like, being amenable to your pushy-ass family mm -hmm. who doesn't know how to deal with a DJ because they ain't never been in this type of situation before. Mm -hmm. So, I um, I DJ, and at the end of the night, uh, she pulls me and another friend to the side and says, so I just want you guys to know that I'm pregnant. And I've been pregnant for four months. <gasps> she four months? And we have mutual friends and she had told the mutual friends upon the onset and so it was in that moment that i just it was a it, it just was like i know i'm supposed to be offended right now but it was a delayed reaction because it was like i, I can't even it, it, I, it, it can't get dealt with so i told my mom when we were in the car and she later told me that her heart broke for me that night because she knew that we we could never come back from that. Mm -mm, you'd never recover. Yeah. And so, yeah. three months later, okay. she, no, so a, a week later, I talked to her about the whole, like, not telling me about the pregnancy thing. And she was like, well, you know, mom told me not to tell anybody. But you told your mutual friends. Yeah. And I think the key was like, I'm not anybody. Like, you quantified me as like, 
anybody. Those moments expose you. Like oh. I, I've had a couple of those where it was pregnancy the same way, and I was like. I can't oh, believe you told somebody before. You know, and, and, and it hurts like, you. Well, you, you, it's like this. Like, I love you in a way that you don't love thank me. Thank you. I was like, oh, shit. It's, and it's I like, love you. That's exact. I said this to my brother. I was like, I love them in a way. They don't love me the way that I think. I don't. We're not loving in the way that I think we're equ- loving. It's not equitable. No. And like, that's like. And so here's the thing. In that moment, sometimes you sometimes you can be like. I did. I just ain't gonna let him say way no more. But then other times, it's just like I just can't fuck with you at all, at all, because I feel duped. Yeah. Sometimes it's your own delusion, but sometimes you really have been just yep. like misled. So, but here's the question, though: Do you go in that situation where you've known somebody so long, but the hurt is so deep? La 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 la. Do you have an exit conversation, or do you let it ride? Well, you know, for me, it was like. I just let it ride because, for your to your point, we've known each other so long, and it was really just kind of like a, all right, well, I guess I guess I, I need to regard this differently, and so I had made my peace with that, and then she hit me like two and a half months later, and was like, so, we moved. Just an FYI. You know what? And I was like, you know, we're friends, right? I texted her back and said, you know, we're friends, right? And she called me. And um, we talked and it's she, super passive. She, it, something is not right. And she called me and was like, you know, what happened at the wedding? And so when I told her what happened at the wedding, you know, she was like, well, that's the thing. Like the person that you're talking about, like she's never reacted like that to anybody before. I've never heard of her reacting like that to anybody before. But, you know, other people complained about you, too. And other people said you had an attitude. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a suggestion box. I literally was there a said, suggestion box. I missed it. I, I literally be- said, I need you to know this from the bottom of my heart. I don't give a fuck about any of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't care what they think of me. Um, and it's actually kind of wild because I don't know what I don't know what to do with this situation because it's like you're expecting me to defend myself against these people that I've never met before. And then I'm not going to meet again. And I think more importantly, it's like if if there was stress added to you by you having to deal with this conversation, I apologize for that, you know, because it was never my intention to be rude or have an attitude to anybody. Uh, And she was like, yeah, but, you know, that's the thing. It's like it's like you're the only negative like feedback I've gotten from my wedding. The only negative parts of my wedding seem to just be about you. Everyone's lying to you. And I literally (laughs) was like. Are you my friend or not? <laughs> like, that's when I lost it. Because I had been trying to, like, exercise deference and coolness and just, like, respect. And I was just like, are you my friend or not? Because like, I was like, I can't. I was like, because I, I can't fathom, like, like how these conversations could be had with you and you wouldn't stick up for me. Mm-hmm. You know? And I can tell by the way you're dealing with me that you didn't stick up for me. Mm-hmm. Because you thought this yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so you know what? Like... Just to be clear, those people that you're talking about that you're saying are so great and that you love so much, they were fucking shitty, mm-hmm. if we're going to be honest. And I was giving them the same energy that they were giving me. They were shitty. They were shitty to my mom. Uh-huh. They were shitty to me. And, you know, and I'm really like, I was like, you know, what? So I, 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 I was like, I have to get off the phone because, and then she hung up on me. <gasps> and she hung up on me. And I called her right back and I got, I got voicemail and I said, you know. Sometimes friendships run their course, and it seems as though ours has. And I wish you the best of luck with the pregnancy, and I'll see you around. And, you know, the thing about it was that I wasn't angry because, like you said, it was like the realization had already happened of, like, you don't love me like I love you. And that's the moment when, like, when your mom said, like, you know, that that's when my heart broke for you. That was the inciting event, right? 
Because it's like, I can't. If I found out I was pregnant today, I would have called her from the toilet. Mm-hmm. Like, ho- I would have called her when I was, like, on the way mm-hmm. to get the shit. You know? So that's... And I, we're too old at this point. I'm just too old to have, like, folks so close to me that are not live, that are not in an equitable space with me. No. And it's not it's not just a one-off. It seems to be, like, a re- re- repeat behavior that is like, escalating. It's like, oh, yeah. It has definitely taken And I almost before. died. And I moved. And, by the way, my... You know, like, oh, okay. I had my left foot amputated. Not a big deal. Call me back. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's just a very weird, like, when you realize, like, oh, we're acquaintances. Yeah. It's basically like someone likes your company, but they don't love your character. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this crazy experience. For, so when I left New York to L.A., you know, everyone and their mother from New York has moved to L.A. Every, everyone's moving here now. Which, it's an exodus. It's a, it's a mass exodus. I support you. Do what you have to do. I love it. New Yorkers, come. But... um I was here by myself for so long, and for me, I it, already know where this is going. It felt like an extended vacation. I felt like I would was away, but when I came back, everyone would still be there waiting, yeah. right? And so it didn't occur to me until friends were getting married, friends were having bat mitzvahs, baby showers, and I wasn't included. And it it hurt so much. Yeah. It was such a slow burn of a ending of a friendship, and so I had to like go oh my god i'm living in this bubble by the way these people are every day rubbing up against each other yeah. their relationships are evolving they're present they're there Ooh. they're still negotiating the yeah they're in it they're in it and they're like why would i invite this girl that i used to know who now lives in la that has never actually met my boyfriend to this wedding but you're still like in this past yeah and you know la is as we said la is the worst place to meet people in an organic way so i'm still thinking the best friends that i've had and known are there and they're like in this incubator and they're just they're just there the time froze like we're they're in the like time Pokemons war that you've collected yeah they're there they're waiting for me they're in the dollhouse so and then what did you do when you had that revelation? Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, for most of it, I was away. It wasn't until I, I, when, you, when I see them that I'm like, oh, God. You know, it, it, the, the gift of it is this. The gift of it is that when you have that distance, there is an immediacy to seeing how you are no longer the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you see somebody you're like, oh, you've lost weight. It's like, yeah, no, you see yourself every day. I don't see yeah. you. So I can see the change immediately. And then you have to make that change. You gotta make that change. Go and make, make a change for once in my life. Yep. Yeah. Gotta make change. Or you say, you know what? Fuck this. I missed you. I missed you. And I don't want to continue. I'm just giving you background music. Gonna make. <laughs> I don't. I, you, you do. Okay. I don't. I do not want to let this relationship go. I missed you. Call me. Okay. We'll email. We'll Facebook. We'll do whatever you need. I'll make special trips just to see you and that new baby that I never met and the husband that I don't know. I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you really feel like you would do it, though? Or is it just like, you know what, I need to move on and like forward a new life where my new life is? No, I mean, I think that I I do make an effort now when I go back to New York. I'm like, okay, here are the people that I lament. Yes. You know, um, that I lament their, their absence. I have definitely found that there are, you know, in this whole world of ending relationships, ending friendships specifically, I think that also there's also this feeling that like once something is done, it's done forever. Right. And sometimes it's like you need to end that shit so y'all can go your separate ways and do some growing. 
and let the universe bring you back and revisit like is there really like a build-up point here or not and i've had that happen in both ex- directions where like we separated and then we came back together and it was like we we both are back on a new wavelength together mm-hmm. and then i've had it where the, earlier this year like i reconnected with somebody who had been my my ride or die they were my ride or die tt why did it stop because they had a habit of when things would go kind of like left they would just abandon the situation instead of talking about it or facing it so like there were times when like he would do stuff that was just like what like you just left me at a club and then when i address it you know it's like instead of like being like well this is what happened or damn like i know that was fucked up or you know let me take you out to breakfast and let's like talk about it it's just like nah i don't want to get yelled at Mm mm-mm I'm not going to say that it was like the best way to deal with it by being like, you left me in that motherfucking club, nigga. <laughs> like, I don't necessarily think that's like the best <laughs> way to deal with it. But it definitely like was how I genuinely felt like you, you fucking, fucking left me in a goddamn, goddamn club. Well, that's what you think. Like you said, though, people grow out of those things. Like now you're at a place right. like, oh, you're not going to be listen, in the club every but night. Then eh? listen, but listen. Oh, no, I'm afraid. Go ahead. So fast forward, we reconnect. And then I had a show. Um and it was in his like where he's living he moved and i had a show where he was living and so he was going to be like traveling with me so this was like a perfect like trial run because it's like i'm coming to your town mm-hmm. and from the onset it was like he was like yeah like i'm I'm not going to be busy like all night and i'm like wait why are you gonna be busy at all because you've also made it explicitly clear like ad nauseum that you don't got shit to do Ever that this is the most boring place in existence. I'm actually here working. This should be the only thing going on at and oil. If, and if it's not, let give me a heads up. So long story short, I was performing and someone walked on my stage while I was performing. Literally, like a, a heckler. Man, he was a lover, but it was still a heckle because it's uh, disrupting the show. You know, like what did he, he want? I don't know because I got him off my stage. He came on my stage in the he middle. He clearly wasn't from New York. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he wanted was a hug. He wanted a touch. He was like, gave me a bottle of water and then was like, yo, no disrespect. And I stopped him because we all know that when you start with no disrespect, <laughs> disrespect is coming right after that. <laughs> so it was also like slow motion because it was like, how are you on stage right now? Like, this isn't a stage with wings. No, you're like, we're just like on a thrust stage and he's walking up the front of the stage. And I'm like, who is this? Did you immediately think I'm going to get murdered right now? Of course. That's what I, yeah, I'd be like, I'm getting murdered today. This This is is it. it. Mm -hmm. But here's the tea. In those moments, because I've had that moment in the past, one like one great example is like when Wale and I were about to throw blows on stage at the Roots Picnic. When that kind of like shit is coming at you, I always check. I call it checking the bus. I always check to see where the person I'm with is at. Mm-hmm. So like when the Wale shit happened, I turned my head and my boyfriend at the time, we made eye contact. Yeah. I to this day don't know how this mofo got from where he was to where I was at. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> but in that moment, he I've, I've talked about it on the show before. I, I'm a king amongst kings. <laughs> He should have been tackled so many feet back. Listen, he grew some like nigga wings and it's like I legit because it was a certain like hood skill that made this happen. 
It was, you know how they say like moms can pick up a, a car? A car yeah. Like it was like, I can't let my girl get hit by Wale. I can't do it. Like the hood would never let me live. And like he grew, like his Philly beard, like took wind up from under it and it flew him to land. And he grabbed Wale up by like the scruff of his neck. Oh my God. And sat him down. And he was like, she would never get away with this in D.C. And he was like, we in Philly, nigga. Like, what are we talking about? Oh, my God. <laughs> but it was the same thing where, like, this man came on my uh-huh. stage and I checked the bus. So, like, I'm looking for where homeboy Stay is. Stay with your buddy. That's what they say. Listen, he had not moved an inch. When I tell y'all, he was sitting in the seat. His arm was still on the other open seat. His other hand holding a glass of alkaline water. Mm-hmm. Like. He had no. I see your true color. Hey, hey, shining through. Shine on, girl. I see your true color. True color. And that's why I'm done with you. And that's why I'm done with you. Sorry. Yeah. Bye. He did not move an inch. And even if you had a slow reaction when they took the guy out, you would naturally get up and go make sure that he is out, and then go speak to security and be like, "Why the fuck weren't y'all there?" And when we talked about it after, he was legit like, "I just feel like you're not communicating with me." What? I was like, what did I do? I, got like, I was sending you smoke signals from the stage for help. Like that, but that's also one of those moments where you're like, we are our friendship needed to stay where it was because we speak in different languages now. Yeah. You know, like we just speak in different languages. And so, you know. But then the, those are the ones that you can let go with ease. Yes. You know, because you're like, I have seen you. Now I see you. Now I see you see you it was so wild and right. i saw you in the dark because you were in a part of the house that wasn't even what well did you lit. see them in silence <laughs> <laughs> what did you see them in silence i did see them in silence i feel like that's a film that needs to be directed by somebody we can write it why are we waiting for someone to do it i know see me in my silence yeah and then we look at the camera and we just a slow burn and then we do like a poem a choreo poem mm-hmm. from entizaki shangays for colored girls who consider suicide when, when the, the rainbow, rainbow is not enough, enough. Well, Tony Trucks, I mean... I could talk to you all day. I'm so sad this episode is over. We'll have you back. Listen, Tones was very like, wait, do I have to prepare? I I was very nervous. I get very (laughs) nervous. I did a podcast before and I was so nervous. (laughs) I don't know why. You're great. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate you. Some people definitely come in here and we've like had to do side eyes at each other. Like, is this done yet? Oh, no. No. I mean, no one like, no, we've never had to be like, is this done yet? But we've definitely had to be like, we got to wake this person up. Like, we got to get them comfortable. You know what I mean? Because the beauty of doing this show is that all of my guests have legit been people I like. Like th- that's the I only- like you too. Can I just say? Can I just? I know that we're gonna be overtime, but I just <laughs> met you, and I was like, I went home, and my at the time I was living with my brother, and I was like, I just met this girl, and I just like her. I just feel like she gets me. Like we are like we see the world, like we are bombastic in the same colorful, weird, off-brand way. The, and the thing about the difference is, and this is why I love you. You put yourself out there. I'm a person that I am thinking all these things, I'm feeling all these things, and then I just sit on my couch, <laughs> and I'm like. And my therapist is always like, can you please go talk to anyone out loud about all these things other than me? God bless you. Um, and so you often, that's why I'm always like DMing you because I'm like, yeah, I was just, I can't. I love you. That's all I want to say. I just, I'm like, verbal Thank diarrhea. You. So often I'm listening well, to you I going, want yes, you to yes, do yes. more of that because as is been indicated and proven here on this show, you have an incredible voice and you know how to talk about things and you're fucking funny. Thank you. And we need as much of that as possible to combat all of the fuckery going on. (laughs) 
So please watch Tony Trucks on CBS. Seal, Seal Team, Team Wednesday. We premiere October third. I don't. I you want a TV show? I'm on a t- I'm on a TV show. I am the only black woman on that TV show. <laughs> okay. Let's not talk about it. Let's be just happy and grateful <laughs> that you have tier one SAG insurance. Yes. yes. The last dose. I mean, this has been an incredible episode. I hope you guys had a good time. Um, I think this was very healing for me as well. You know, friendships are are so, I feel, essential to a lot of our happiness. Not everybody, but a lot of us. And they kind of help to serve this bridge between your family and strangers and you and like bouncing off energies that keep us moving. That's why it's important to make sure that the friends that you have around you are the energy that you need around you. And, you know, you're not an elitist to decide that you want to be around people who are wanting the best for themselves and who are doing what needs to be done to get the best for themselves. And I'm saying that to y'all because I've had to say that to myself because you can make yourself feel like you're being immodest by simply saying like, nah, like I'm on this path and I kind of need people around me that share a similar vision for themselves. Even if it's not the same path, it's the same enthusiasm. It's the same spirit of, of quest. Um, and vice versa, like you may be the kind of person who's like, I ain't really trying to be around people that are driven all like that shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to chill, man. And whatever. But I think that friendship is rooted in a, in a sort of like-mindedness um, that bonds you in a different way than blood does from family. That's why you have like sisters and brothers who might not be friends at all. And you have sisters and brothers who are friends. And it's not just because they're brother and sister. It's because they have a like-mindedness. They're A-alikes. They see each other. Even in the silence. It's a good show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.